0: Thank you, Yvonne, for inviting me. You know, I've been following the podcast uh, for a few weeks and I'm really excited to be here.
1: Have you ever dreamed of living on a paradise island? That's exactly what Yvonne Campbell will be doing for a whole year. Otherworld Travel presents Life in Barbados. A year on a paradise island.
2: Welcome to this week's episode. So, what has been happening here in Barbados? Well, we have had a lifting of our restrictions, and the key highlights include the curfew being extended from 7 pm until 9 pm, restaurants opening again, non essential retail also opening. And individual sports like diving and golf are now permissible. Strangely, the beaches can still only be accessed between 6 and 9 a.m. and 3 and 6 p.m. But exercise can be done at any time of the day, just away from the beach. I've been busy all week with work, so I haven't been able to make the most of the easing of the restrictions, but I plan to do so later this week. I've got a haircut lined up for today and dinner out a few nights in the trot, so I'm quite excited to get out and about again.
1: Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island.
2: Now the restrictions have lifted, I'm planning to go and see the island properly. I was just remembering the Bucket List podcast, which was my previous podcast series. I had Mark from Visit Barbados on an episode and he did an excellent job telling me about all things Barbados. I started listening back to remind myself of his recommendations and see what I can get planning as things are starting to open up.
0: But then after day two, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go and see stuff. In terms of activities, I mean, you've got our island safari jeep tour, which is a really great tour to see the island, but see it from a different perspective. It's not your typical sit on a coach and go around. Another great tour is our Harrison's Cave. It's our number one attraction. So Harrison's Cave takes you 150 meters below ground and it shows you what Barbados is really made of, which is coral limestone. Most of the other Caribbean islands are volcanic in nature, whereas we are coral limestone, which gives us our super pure water. The Harrison's Cave tour is always great for that. In terms of other things you can do, you've got hiking tours, biking. We've got walking tours. We have like
1: Andromeda Gardens. Life in Barbados.
2: That has given me plenty of ideas for future podcast episodes. So watch this space. If you want to hear the full episode with Mark, one that touches on all things Barbados, head over to otherworldtravelpodcast.com forward slash Barbados. One thing I did manage to do this week was go shopping for lapel mics. So you will probably have noticed whenever you hear me out and about meeting people, for example, on beaches. This is great. I've been watching you. The audio quality isn't great, so I went along to West Riley Electronics in Bridgetown in one of the malls there, and they seem to have everything. There was definitely service with a smiley from Peter and Ken, and we had a bit of fun trying out the different equipment and seeing what works. Yeah, yeah maybe it might be even better. <laughs> I, I think that is working. On this that. is a journey into sound
1: sound, sound. sound, 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 sound. This is a journey into sound. Sound, sound. All right. One, microphone test. One, two, one, one, one.
2: So hopefully in the future episodes where I am kind of on location, so to speak, the audio quality will be a lot better.
1: Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island.
2: And the last bit of news this week is that the second season of the Netflix series called Outer Banks has been filmed right here on the island.
1: The Outer Banks, paradise on earth. And that's me,
0: John Booker Ruffage. And this is where I live. It's the sort of place where you either have two jobs or two houses, two tribes, one island.
2: And it looks like there were filming in one of the neighbouring villas to me. And some of the main roads in Bridgetown have been closed off the last few days as well. So that's one thing I'll be doing is starting to watch the series to see what it's all about. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Please do subscribe to Life in Barbados to follow my journey and never miss an episode.
1: Life in Barbados, a year on a paradise island.
2: A few weeks ago, I did an episode around sustainability and responsible travel. I introduced the work of the UN Development Programme and the Blue Economy. After chatting to Nicola Simpson about her passion for oceans, I wanted to invite her onto the show to give us a bit more of an introduction to under the sea here in the waters surrounding Barbados. Nicola, you are a marine biologist and an environmental manager, an ocean champion and ambassador, also known locally as fish girl, shark girl, whale girl and the Barbados mermaid. Where did your passion for the ocean come from?
0: I have most definitely been interested in this from a very young age. I Have you know a few key memories around age five to seven, where I really knew that my life would follow some sort of path surrounding the ocean. So I was on a sailing trip in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is another Eastern Caribbean country, and I saw a pod of wild dolphins and whales. And you know, at that time my, my eyes and my heart just lit up and started dancing, and I knew that. There was some sort of connection there. I've also come from a family of divers, spearfishers, sailors. So I think I also have that family connection. I often speak and almost give credit or honor my grandparents, who, you know, still at 84 and almost 85 years young, are still scuba diving. They're still snorkeling, Carlisle Bay, you know, walking the beach. So I think it's been a combination of events. There was an interest, a passion coming from a family who, you know, surrounded the sea and then also living in a small island developing state or what we're now calling a a large or big ocean state, being Barbados.
2: So as a marine biologist, is that a common profession here in the island?
0: You would think that it would be quite common, but it's actually not as, as common, you know, as an island surrounded by water, the Atlantic Ocean on one side, the Caribbean Sea on the other side. You would think it's common. There are a few uh, marine
2: biologists. Talking about the Blue Economy, you work for the UN Development Programme. Can you tell us a bit about your work there and specifically the work you do in relation to the Blue Economy?
0: Sure. So yes, as you said, I work with the United Nations Development Program, or what we will refer to as a UNDP. And I work with our multi-country office, which covers Barbados and nine other Eastern Caribbean countries and territories. And we have a few different areas that we work on, and blue economy is one of those evolving uh, spaces. And blue economy is not necessarily a a new concept, uh, especially for people in the Caribbean and in small island developing states, but it is a relatively new term. We're, We're hearing blue economy a lot more around the world. Many governments, countries, regions are placing blue economy at the forefront. And when we speak about blue economy, we're talking about the sustainable use of ocean resources for diversifying the economy, for creating jobs, improving livelihoods. But I think what is really important when we're describing the blue economy, especially for people in the Caribbean or familiar with Caribbean, we live the blue every day. You know, as I said earlier, we're surrounded by ocean. We all breathe oxygen. Much of that oxygen comes from the ocean. Many of us eat fish. That comes from the ocean. You know, some of us go to the beach, weather for fun, for spiritual or healing properties, for inspiration, for creativity, all of this is part of the blue economy. So I think it's important to try to explain it and break it down so that everyone understands it. We know about established sectors like fisheries, tourism, ports and shipping, but we're also now looking at these emerging sectors like marine renewable energy. So all of this is grouped under what we're now calling the blue economy. And it's also sometimes known as the ocean economy, which might be easier to understand.
2: Have you any interesting in facts about the waters that surround the island of Barbados?
0: I think a, a fun fact about uh, the ocean in Barbados, our maritime space, or what is sometimes also referred to as our exclusive economic zone, or EEZ, is over 400 times larger than our land space. And that's quite common for many of the other countries within the Eastern Caribbean region. So we have this vast ocean space, untapped many opportunities still to explore. So that would be my first quick fact that I will share with you and our listeners as well. It sounds like there's quite a
2: lot of oceans around Barbados. So what kind of things do you find in that ocean under the sea?
0: Yeah, I think there's so much, you know, to explore in terms of the ocean life in Barbados. And actually my current title is the Head of Exploration. We have these exciting titles at the Accelerator Lab and mine is head of exploration. I think this, you know, segues into your point perfectly. We have so much to, to explore. As I mentioned, you know, I started to talk about earlier. We have sea turtles. You know, Barbados is home to a sea turtle nesting population right now. Very currently, we have humpback whales in our waters. You know, and I, hopefully we can talk about that later because I know there's a lot of interest. We also have sharks, which sometimes, you know, makes people feel a bit nervous. But I think. What is so important is that there's such a diversity uh, within our ocean surrounding Barbados and also in the, the Eastern Caribbean. And many people don't know about that. So hopefully we can maybe get into a bit more. Maybe you all can come and swim with me now or take a deep dive with me and I can share a little bit more about some of the species and the diversity that we have under the sea in Barbados. Right now, what a lot of people would have seen over the past weeks is humpback whales. So it's a specific species of whale called humpback. Basically, they migrate, some of them migrate to the warmer waters of the Caribbean to breed and have calves. So they basically mate and have their babies uh, in the Eastern Caribbean warmer waters. So we've been trying to track the movement of these whales over over the past years, many researchers are just passionate ocean champions like myself. And if they follow current trends, uh, they will probably stay around Barbados for about six weeks this year, because that's what's been happening in the past. You know, everyone kind of the next question that people ask me, well, where can we see them? Yes. (laughs) Are they official tours? It's, It's obviously really hard. You know, these are wild species, they move as they wish, but there have been a few key trends in terms of sightings on the north and east coast. And then what you would have referred to is there have been a few sightings of one pod, what we call a pod, a mother calf pair on the south coast. So we've seen a lot of those videos circulating on social media and over the past few days. So humpback whales migrate to the warm waters of the eastern Caribbean every year to breed and then calf before swimming back to the north to feed.
2: Continuing our underwater tour, what else can we find under the sea?
0: I think something else that's quite topical, which you can see under the sea, but also from the surface of the sea and on beaches, is sargassum seaweed. So I think this is something that many individuals and visitors to our island may have seen. So since 2011, we've had an influx of what we call sargassum seaweed. There's a sub-regional outlook bulletin which says, you know, in the next few months, we're going to have some like moderate to severe sargassum influxes on our shores. So I think, although not fully under the sea, some of it is found under the sea because it's a free-floating species. Most individuals might see it once it starts to wash up on shore. And I think it's you know important to, to share that there are positive and negative impacts of this sargassum seaweed when it's out floating at sea. It creates habitat for many juvenile fish. Some fisher folk like it because it's bringing in different kinds of fish, what Bajans call amber fish, but some fisher folk might not like it because the sargassum seaweed can clog their boat engines, for example. In terms of the tourism sector and kind of getting, I guess, closer to some of other interests, it does have a negative impact on beaches because when it lands on a beach... You know, it might take over the whole beach. Obviously, the beach doesn't look as nice. But sometimes the best thing to do is just let nature run her natural course.
2: Would you find that right across the island or are there particular areas more prone to it?
0: So primarily in past years, there would be more influxes or sightings on on kind of the east and and southeast coast. However, in recent times, there have been a few records of sargassum landing on the, the west coast as well, but not as common as seeing it on the east, southeast, and sometimes even the south coast of the island.
2: Lionfish seem to come up in conversation quite a bit. Can you tell us a bit more about them and the challenge they pose in the water?
0: Lionfish are an invasive species. So, you know, when lionfish invasion started to reached the Caribbean, basically Barbados was almost out of luck because we had them coming from the north and the south. We really had no hope, as, as negative as that sounds. But because they're invasive, uh, part of their biology is that they produce millions of eggs. And they also eat a lot of juvenile or, or baby reef fish, such as the parrotfish. And, and parrotfish, what Bajans call chubs, are extremely important to our coral reefs. So I think that is one of the key challenges with these lionfish. Over the past years, there have been many initiatives to try to manage the the lionfish population. And one of those was trying to get them on plates. So, you know, get them on menus, get more consumers eating them. They do have venomous spines, but once you remove the venomous spines, they're they're great to eat. You know, many people say it's kind of a white, flaky consistency, tastes almost like snapper. And, And we have seen lionfish on quite a few menus around the island. We also have lionfish derbies. They're they're the one species, you know, which conservations encourage people to catch and kill because of their uh, characteristics. Many of the dive shops also, you know, whenever they go diving, they'll also kill lionfish and, and bring them in. And what we've been seeing in more recent years is they're going even deeper so some of the fishermen who set pots or traps have been catching them in that way. So there's still a challenge and still a problem, but I think we know how to better manage them
2: now. How would you describe flying fish to people who have never seen them before?
0: I think the name sometimes might confuse people. They do fly, but it's more of a glide. So flying fish is a species of fish. And there are many species of flying fish that can glide, you know, from underneath the surface of the water, on top of the water and even slightly above it. So that's part of how it gets. Its name, Flying Fish, is also extremely important you know, to Barbados. It's on our $1 coin. It's also part of our national dish. Our national dish is Flying Fish and Cuckoo. Unfortunately, in recent years, there are not as many Flying Fish in our waters. So the prices of Flying Fish have gone up. Most people that eat them love them. It's one of the most popular fish in Barbados. And you know, if you are a visitor to our island, you know, it's highly recommended that you do try flying fish. Obviously, once it's on your plate, you know, the, the slight wings that they have are removed. But it's because of those wings and their gliding or what some people refer to as flying capabilities that that forms part of how they get their name flying fish.
2: What about the fish that ends up on your plate? How much of that is local versus imported?
0: Sure. I think this is a, a great conversation that we can, you know, just touch the touch on the surface. Many individuals you know, assume that it's local. And unfortunately, a lot of our fish, a lot of our produce, a lot of products in general are imported. And unfortunately, fish and seafood products are are no different. There are, you know, estimates ranging from 50 to as much as 86% of our fish could be imported. And this is a a huge range because different organizations and entities um, provide different information. But I think it's safe to say that a lot of our fish is imported. However, some of the most common fish that you might see in Barbados, which are the ones that are most commonly caught, still do include flying fish. They include dolphin fish, which is mahi-mahi, not dolphin porpoise. You also will see, you know, kingfish, wahoo, lionfish, snapper. There are a lot of different species. So I think what's really important is to kind of put this on you as an individual, as a consumer. You have a choice and you have power so you know, try to find out more about the hands that feed you. Get to know your fisher folk. You know, ask them where is this fish coming from? Who caught this? What type of fish is this? And now that fish markets are back open, I think you know, once you follow all COVID protocols, it would be great to get into the fish markets or the fish landing sites and really get to know your fisher folk. I think COVID has highlighted or further highlighted the value of our fishing industry and how important it is to our country.
2: That's great to know, Nicola. And for those of you who want to know more about how to eat sustainably whilst you're here in Barbados, there are some resources, including the Sustainable Seafood Guide in the Slow Food Barbados website. I will put a link in my show notes. Are there any other ways that people can experience under the sea in a sustainable and responsible way?
0: Sure, I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, we had Yvonne join the Accelerator Lab, had two virtual coffee chats where we started to look at you know, impact tourism, responsible tourism, what kind of legacy could individuals, not only on the welcome stamp, but other maybe digital expats or or visitors to Barbados, you know, how could they contribute to kind of leaving a legacy or having a social impact on the country that they're either now calling home or just passing through? So I think you know, one way is we have many different initiatives. The Barbados Sea Turtle Project is one of them. If you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to learn a bit more. You can reach out to the Sea Turtle Project and see how you can support that, whether it might be through volunteering, it might be through donations, it might be through you know, just attending a hatchling release. There are also various coral reef restoration initiatives. So Barbados Blue has one. Also, the Coral Reef Restoration Alliance Coral has one. So these are ways in which, you know, if you want to have an experience but also give back, you can do that. There are also individuals that offer, for example, free diving tours. You can free dive, you can catch lionfish, and then you can come and eat it on the beach right after. So so there, there are a few different ways in which you can experience under the sea while also, I guess, supporting conservation or what we're now talking a little bit more about responsible or regenerative tourism. So many different terms are being thrown around. I think we're still, you know, defining what that is. Another way, just, you know, if you don't mind going back to the first point on kind of the the seafood and sustainable seafood, the Accelerator Lab has actually, or is in the process of creating a blue seal which is gonna be a nationally verified seal for industry partners, for hotels, restaurants, food trucks, and and fish vendors that will support them or highlight their efforts towards sustainability. So that might be that they've reduced single use plastic by a specific percentage. It might be that if they are on the coast, they have installed sea turtle friendly lighting. It could be that they are using over 50% local fish I think what's so important about this podcast or using this tool is that we are spreading awareness of what we can find under the sea in Barbados. And this is part of being able to explore the ocean life. And, you know, as we talk about the blue economy more, I think it's so important to to understand it. And I think once you understand it and you find out ways in which you can protect it, that's so important because we forget that the ocean actually supports much of what we do. You know, kind of going back to my first point, as we consciously or subconsciously breathe oxygen now, that's coming from the ocean. If you're you know eating lunch or dinner, as you listen to this podcast and you maybe have fish on your plate, that's coming from the ocean. You know, if we're looking at the hurricane or storm season, our coral reefs protect the coastline. So I think our ocean does so much for us, and we are looking a lot more to nature-based solutions. That's a big part of what we do at the lab, is trying to create solutions. to to challenges in the blue economy because our ocean and under the sea faces so many threats. There's hope. And I think each of us as individuals, you know, have a role to play. I I truly believe that, you know, small changes uh, add up to create a big impact and lead to change. So that's all I would add there.
2: Thank you for your time today, Nicola. You've given me a few ideas of other things that I can try as the restrictions are starting to ease. So I look forward to creating some podcast episodes around these at a later date.
0: Thank you for having me. And, you know, I'm I'm happy to continue sharing all about, you know, work that I've done in the past, my passions and, and what I'm doing right now with the Accelerator Lab as the... Blue economy starts to evolve as you a know, really important way to contribute to the sustainable development of our countries within the region.
1: Life in Barbados.
2: The latest since my chat with Nicola a few days ago is that the whales are on the move and have been sighted on the West Coast near where I live. So I will be on whale watch for the next few days. Fingers crossed I get to see them. Nicola has also given me quite a few ideas for other things I can try as the restrictions are easing. So I look forward to creating some podcast episodes around these later on. In the meantime, please head over to life-in-barbados.com forward slash podcast where you will find my show notes to find the links from the different things we've talked about today. Links to my Instagram where you can see Barbados through the eyes in my photos and a link to the Bucket List podcast for that full Barbados episode with Mark McCullen. If you're enjoying my show, I would love it if you could also leave a review. It makes a huge difference. Again, you can find the details of how to do this at life in barbados.com forward slash podcast
1: make sure you subscribe to life in barbados a year on a paradise island go to life hyphen in hyphen barbados.com forward slash subscribe
2: If you've been enjoying life in Barbados, you're going to want to check out my other show, The Bucket List. Each episode, I chat with locals, guides, and even some people I met along the way on various dream trips, experience safari in Tanzania, road trips across the US, and hiking across Australia's national parks, just to mention a few of the episodes. Go to otherworldtravel.com forward slash podcast. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.